For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and the Women's College World Series might be over, but we still have so much softball this summer. It's like we went straight into the pros, and I don't know about you, but it's helping me with my college softball hangover, so I appreciate it. And before we get started today, some quick reminders for the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Believe in Softball is also on YouTube, so subscribe to get even more with the video. All right, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll cover our bases, give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview. It is part two of my conversation with Francesca Inea. And part one, you heard it. We covered a lot. The historic 2022 college softball postseason, broadcasting, her playing in Oklahoma City, building up the Gator softball program, breaking the mold in her recruiting journey, why she's over the Pac-12 and SEC rivalry, <laughs> What love languages have to do with softball, et cetera, plus a Women's College World Series recap and pro softball summer preview. So today in part two, it's like, how can we talk about any more? We have plenty more to talk about. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week, tips to help us keep going and get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL Hockey Conference finals, Major League Baseball, and the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEF to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. And the game has finally started for pro softball once again. I just have loved the coverage, first of all. The fact that I have needed multiple devices to be able to tune into all the pro softball games that are happening at the same time has been an amazing feeling. Because I'm watching on ESPN, I'm watching Athletes Unlimited, AUX, but then I'm also watching WPF on USSALive.com. And it just is awesome. Like it feels like college softball mayhem. Like it feels like it it wasn't over. It's not over yet, right? And the fact that the hitters have been just mashing also is fun because let's be honest, we had high expectations after watching OU, right? Like, come on, like probably the best team in college softball ever, if not definitely in the top ranks. And then pro softball just delivers at an even higher level of competition. And I just want to reiterate that as well, just understanding the caliber of these players. Because if you think about it from the youth level all the way through pro, there's a filter sort of at every single level. There's rec ball, some people filter out, and then there's those that play high school and travel ball. Then there's colleges, even less people, and then even less go on to play pro. And let's not forget, pro also includes international and Olympic players as well. So as much as obviously we love the big college stars, Last week, we talked about some of the names to watch in the pro ranks this summer. There is plenty to keep track of. 
So first, let's start with AUX. So if you're new here, we've gone over this since the beginning, not only the beginning of this show, but also the beginning of Athletes Unlimited, but just a quick recap on the point system. And it's not just in San Diego where AUX is specifically, but this is Athletes Unlimited as a whole. This is how it works. Offense, you get 10 points per base whenever you get a hit. So 10 for a single, 20 for a double, et cetera. 10 points for a stolen base, for example. You get points for walks, getting hit by a pitch, and sacrifices. Pitching, on that side, you get four points per out. And so that includes strikeouts, but also non-strikeouts, just outs that you are able to record. And you get negative points for earned runs you give up. Inning wins also lead to 10 points, meaning if a team wins that inning, like we like to talk about a lot in softball, win the inning, right? If they do, they get points. Uh, It rolls over also if nobody wins that inning, if no one scores, for example, and then sometimes it can pile up later in the game and you can get a bunch at one time. And then also whoever wins the game gets points and then individually MVPs get points based on voting. Very quick synopsis. It's basically just like fantasy softball pro with some flair. And the flair, I think, gives it energy like what we love about college softball. It's it's a different kind of energy a little bit because these are much more seasoned players, but it's still a similar, just positive, energizing vibe, which I love. And the content, it continues to be one of the best reasons to watch Athletes Unlimited in general. The player interviews are always great. You know, we've always loved that, especially during the game. It's just really cool to get that live insight. But now the fact that they're like in San Diego, they're wearing a straw hat, sitting under an umbrella, sipping on Gatorade, right? Like these are the chair chats that they call it. And it's like they're on vacation, you know? And the person that I think of for this that I first noticed, Taylor Edwards was a major vibe after she had a home run. It was worth triple digits, by the way. She's just over there sipping what looks like a pina colada, but really it's like probably a G2, right? But I think that was awesome, and I like that kind of setup that they have. And to make it kind of unique to San Diego and the AUX-specific experience. Then the fact that they're interviewing family in the stands. There are so many of these women who are participating and competing who are from Southern California. You know, Sasha Palacios is from San Diego, so is Danielle O'Toole. And for me, hearing O'Toole's mom, who was one of the first All-American pitchers in San Diego, was awesome you know, getting to hear how they talk shop. And you heard it from Danielle first, and you got to hear it from her mom as well. So getting to see both sides of it was just really, really cool. I mean, add it to the list of the great content that AU has. And I think in a general too, the dynamic with the rookies and the veterans, you know, I talked about this in terms of college softball, like the dynamic between the freshmen and the seniors and the fact that you have leadership from both. I think it's cool, for example, you have Megan Wiggins, who's played professionally for over 10 years. She's like going yard and bat flipping more than once, by the way. And there's like a 12 year difference between her and some of the true rookies that have just started their pro careers. And I just think that that dichotomy is really cool. To me, it's pretty awesome when you have coaches, people who currently coach college, who are now playing and kind of like almost showing their players like, yep, this is how it's done, right? I've talked about it all year long, but here I am like actually executing on this. I think of Victoria Hayward playing on the literal field that she coaches on at San Diego State, Sis Bates with UW, and then Carrie Eberly with Oklahoma State, too. You know, it's like they talk about it, they show their players, and then now they're showing everyone. And I think I just, again, I like how they're, these women are showing the young girls what it's all about. And I think a big piece of this, too, for veterans is the off-season work that they did. That's something that they're talking about a lot. Daniel Laurie's asking that question a lot. And it was really interesting to hear how they do it and how they do it for longevity, right? Because that's the whole point. We're trying to get women to play softball for longer. So it's like, how do you do that? And I think a few things, Sam Fisher talked about how she was able to get live pitching a couple times a week at ASU and that that was kind of missing in her training in past years, but it's helped her and she's feeling good seeing the ball now. Gwen Sveck has talked a lot about getting her body right since she's a catcher, strengthening her knees and working on the conditioning. Like that was kind of the first piece before doing the softball specific stuff. And then let's be realistic. Haley McClenney talked about taking a break. She took a break, a mental break, all of that, going straight from the Olympics right into AU last year. She's like, I needed family time. I needed to go on vacation, you know, with my fiance, with my family after the Olympics and AU back to back. And she's like, and then... When I got back to it, I was grinding five days a week training, you know, and now she feels fresh, 
but that's how she gets her body feeling the way she wants it to feel. And then even some folks who kind of came out of retirement, also who haven't been playing this whole time consistently. Sydney Little John Watkins, she talked about getting her arm ready. You know, she's years removed from the game. She did play in Europe last summer, but there were some years in between where she hadn't been playing. And her husband is a strength and conditioning coach, and they just like set a program for her. They were really intentional about recovery. And she also herself is a nutritionist for a football team, right? So she paid a lot of attention to how she was fueling her body. So we hear about all of those things, but then we also see the rookies who are fresh off of college who don't maybe need to do all those things because they literally just stopped playing, maybe not even a break in between, and they're adjusting to pro play. Maggie Ballant making her debut on her college field at San Diego State is pretty awesome. I love moments like that. And even the fact that you know Gwen Speckus is there at Athletes Unlimited too, she caught her at Oregon before Ballant transferred. So there's some full circle moments that happen, you know, and, and that's the cool thing about AU. It's like you might be used to playing with certain people or playing against certain people, and that gets kind of mixed up. Now you get to play with and against different people. And Georgina Korek, she's killing it in the circle. Danielle Gibson, you know, out of Arkansas, first pro home run coming off of super regionals that she was just playing in. And then there's a couple people who are one year out. You look at Deja Molipola, she's crushing the ball right now. Rachel Garcia still getting in a groove a little bit, but you know, she kind of had a year off. She was hurt last year coming out of the Olympics. And now you're working with new catchers. You're trying to get a feel, figure out the pitch sequence. There's a lot going on. So you can see a rookie in that sense, making the adjustment. And then I think let's not forget that a lot can happen with one pitch, especially with points. So, you know, it's just two weeks for AUX and we're already about halfway over here, but It's a really cool appetizer, I think, for the championship series that we'll see in August in Rosemont. But in the meantime, the WPF is going to keep going. So they kicked off, but they will keep going into August. And this, again, for those that are new, traditional league standard scoring. So just like a normal softball game, um, they're traveling for games, too. So like you normally would in a typical league. The only difference is there's only two official teams. Um, the Vipers and the Pride, but these teams will stay the same, obviously, unlike Athlete, Athletes Unlimited. The history piece of it, I think, is really cool because not only was there an opening day, it was the first ever opening day. And Lauren Chamberlain, you know, posted a photo of the ball from the first pitch ever thrown. And it's dated and everything and labeled. And I just think that kind of thing is a treasure, not just because of the history, but because of what it represents. You know, the whole movement of WPF is protect her dream. And it's an opportunity for women at the end of the day to protect these young girls' dreams and give them those opportunities to keep playing. You know, seeing it just in full force, Jocelyn Allo tweeted, she was like, softball is really my job. What a time to be alive. That's it. That is the dream that we're trying to protect. And then along with this first ever, you know, there's a lot of other firsts too. We talked about how all the firsts or first times in a long time we heard about in college with Francesca. And it's cool to see first here too. So first hit ever for WPF was Ali Aguilar. She hit a double. She also scored the first run. And then, you know, the first Vipers home run was Sierra Bryan as being part of the WPF. And then the first pride home run was Shelby Penley. And the first win, Smash It Sports Vipers were able to get the W. But think about, too, when we talk about caliber of these pro players, there are Olympians here also. We talked about Haley McClenney with AUX, Ali Aguilar, Delaney Spaulding, Monica Abbott, right? Like for just a sample, they're all playing on this stage as well. And then again, that dichotomy, you have these fresh NCAA stars like Mary Iacopo, just days after playing in the Women's College World Series Championship Series, she's out there on the field playing pro. Keely Richard coming out pitching, right? After just coming off supers, Cassidy Shamont after regionals from Mizzou. It's it's pretty crazy, the quick turnaround. And think about how the offseason doesn't really exist in that sense. They play the whole spring with their, their teams. It could be around 60 games or so for college. And then you go straight into this summer. So that, that's a grind. It's a grind for sure. And not everyone has even gotten started yet. You know, for example, Delaney Wiz was a draftee. She just officially signed with the Pride after opening days when they announced it. So there's only more to come as well with this. 
I think a couple things to keep in mind is, you know, it's tough facing the same opponents over and over. So that will be a grind to another layer to the grind that you can add in this summer, especially for the pitchers, because the more hitters see you, the more comfortable they feel, right? So it's tough. And it's really early days, really, really early days, obviously. But of course, you know, I'm thinking about an expansion that allows us to protect even more dreams, right? Proper centralized pro league. That is what so many people who have come on the show, including people like Jessica Mendoza, has talked about. That's the goal that we need. Because if we get that in place and then we have AU as a supplement, let's say, how fun would that be? Right. And it's just a centralized place to direct all the attention and investment into softball. But, you know, one thing at a time, it's nice to see, I will say, especially after not having the MPF the last couple of years and not having it at all anymore. It's just nice to see athletes signing and competing in this way again. And of course, we have to talk about with Father's Day, the softball dads. I really think this is such a special segment of the softball community. And I think of a a bunch of examples of this that we saw recently, you know, Jocelyn Allo and Tiari Jennings dads were both in OKC. And, you know, Jocelyn's dad has the t-shirt with her giant face on it, right? And then they both were given the home run balls that, you know, more than one, right? It's like, which one? But (laughs) multiple home run balls that both of the girls hit during the World Series. And they're holding them and they're standing back to back looking in the camera. And it was just a really fun moment. I think we've seen, I've seen stuff on social media too. Mary Iacopo's parents and a giant like cheering section for her at the World Series, but then her parents were also at the pro debut she had right after the World Series. Pretty cool, you know? And one of the the perks of being able to interview families and just people in the stands during AUX is that there's a lot of dads. And one super special one, for example, was Sydney and Sierra Romero's dad. First of all, let's paint the picture. They are sisters on the same team, playing middle infield together. They even turned to double play. Pretty sick. (laughs) They played together a little bit in high school. They played against each other a little in college. But this is just an extra special moment, you know. And so secondly, he played baseball himself at San Diego State, literally on that campus where his daughters are playing right now. Even more special. And then, you know, another thing, too, is he's had cancer. And it's been hard on the family, right? And so they're super grateful to have him to be even able to watch them play on this stage. So, you know, keeping all those things in mind. Meanwhile, he's sharing gems of stories like how Sydney used to follow Sierra around when they were kids. And I think there's a rumor that they had to buy Sydney a matching uniform for her sister, even though she was too young to even be on the team, right? So you just get those really cool tidbits. And again, softball dad's just so special. It it reminded me of my own experience, right? Um, And we talked about it in season one, the Father's Day special with my dad. It was a two-parter, the dad pod, basically, (laughs) on the show. And I recommend going back and listening to for Father's Day. If I'm sure if you have that relationship, either you're the dad or you're the daughter, you can totally relate. And then I mentioned this for Mother's Day, but yeah, like my parents had their their fun like TV debut on Pac-12 Networks this year. There was a photo uh, when I was calling games on Mother's Day, so that we were obviously calling my mom out, but my dad was on the photo too, and it was my first solo TV broadcast specifically. Um, and it was just cool because they're my support system. And I think they've made it on TV before in the stands and stuff, but this was really like a true feature. So, you know... I said it for Mother's Day, but it goes for Father's Day too as well. Thank you to all the parental figures, whether you're the biological parent or not, whether it's in an official capacity or not, you are the real MVPs. And with all this, somebody who's been on the pro stage is today's guest. So let's head into part two of the interview. And the way you're describing it, it's like it is a relationship and it is a lifelong relationship, actually. Like the decision, you know, that's why we call it like a lifetime decision when you choose to go somewhere. And if you, if you transfer, then that's fine. But just in terms of where you decide to at least graduate from and that alumni base that you have the connections with, like those, those things are for life, right? Like we're seeing it at the world series, all these like alums coming out and supporting their teams and all that stuff. It's like, because you care and, and, you know, you want to make sure you get that right. You, that decision is, it affects a a good portion of your life afterwards too. So it's not something to take lightly. Not at all. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is we talked about how there's so many firsts and you Mm -hmm. talked about how you did get to do the first 
World Series appearances for Florida, which is awesome. But you know what it's like what some of these players now are going through with these firsts, right? Like, an, oh, mm-hmm. Texas, first time in the Champ Series, um, UCF, first, first Supers, first hosting, all that stuff. What is it like to be first? Awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it, this is this is a blessing and a curse when it comes to myself. Um, I expect to always win. I expect to always be the best. And, you know, that's kind of how Coach Walton is made too. So, yes, we were the first to, like, my freshman year, the first Florida team to make it to the Super Regionals. My sophomore year, first to the WCWS. Junior year, first to the championship series. But every single one of those years, like, I expected that. We expected that. Um, I go back to my freshman year. I'm pissed we didn't make it to the World Series. Go back to my sophomore year. I'm pissed we did not make it to the championship series because we mm. should have beat Texas A&M. I'm pissed we didn't win that national championship. But Danielle Laurie is pretty freaking good, especially when she wants to win. Hard to, hard to beat that chick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> True. So as amazing as amazing as it is to say, like, dang, like, we did that. It's like, well, we wanted to do that. Yeah. And it's great that we were able to do it. But that was our goal. Right. Um, but then, if, you know, if I want to take a step back out of my ultra competitive mindset, uh, it, it, it's just it kind of just goes back to what we first talked about, like being able to show the world that if you really want something, it doesn't matter where you go to make it happen with your teammates, with your sisters, with your coach. And you'll get there. I mean, freaking look at Texas. Like, look at them. Like, I know. I'm, I don't want to say like they're playing with a chip on their shoulder, but they're playing with something that is uniting everyone together, that is bringing their very best softball version of themselves out and their very best person version of themselves out. Yeah. And look at them. Like, that's what it's about. Oh, my gosh. A hundred percent. I'm a big believer that you have to believe you can do something before you'll actually do it, right? Yeah. And I think that that is a huge piece of just this World Series and this postseason in general. Like even the three unseated teams, you look at Arizona, oh, maybe they won't be in the tournament, and then they're at the World Series, right? And you look at Oregon State, it's like the first time since 2006. Yeah. And, and you know, and even Florida going into Blacksburg and doing what they did and then making yeah. it back. You yeah. know, it's like all of these teams had to have that belief. And to your point, it's like, you know, sure it's progress and all that stuff, which is awesome. But it's like, that's the point. Like you, that is the goal. That is the expectation, you know, and you have to have that mentality and like, you're right. Look how far it's taken Texas. I just, I think it's a great example and kind of, I don't know that this championship series almost like is the season in a nutshell. I feel it's like, okay, here's like the dominant OU Mm -hmm. storyline, right? Which generational team, all that stuff. But then it's like, here's this other team and it's Texas at the end of it who has just willed and manifested their way through the entire season. You know, I feel like, I don't know, it's a really cool kind of dichotomy we have. Yeah, I completely I completely agree with you. Um, and like when you even think of the matchup, because the question the entire season has been, who's going to beat Oklahoma? Right. Right. Talent wise, you know, people were saying it can be Arkansas. It's going to be VTech. Like um, we can see UCLA do like because you, you look at talent by talent, you're doing position matchups, all these things. But when it comes to the World Series, when it comes to postseason, you just never know what can happen. And like right now, Texas is playing the best ball. Yeah. And if you're going to tell me who, or ask me who can be that team to beat Oklahoma, well, obviously it's going to have to be Texas. And that's who I would bet on. Even if they were not going to make it into the World Series, they were just playing that type of level that you you don't train for, you can't prepare for. They're bringing that like extra 1% where champion, champions are made out of. Yes. So, okay, then this is my question too, because I feel like this is something I'm still trying to wrap my head around, but we often will say, and especially this year, I feel like people will be like, well, it's not always the best team that wins. It's the team that plays the best on that day. And mm-hmm. I totally, I get that. But on the one hand, I'm like, but if – is the team who is able to execute when it matters the most, are they then, are they really the best? You know, like who's the actual yeah. best? If you, you know, how are we actually defining the best? 
I love, I love that question because I, I agree with the second part of that. Like if you are the best, you figure out how to win. Right. Um, which is a big reason why, when I was like, I wish I could go back and win the national championship. However, just going to throw this out there. Danielle Laurie was the best. Like she was, and I'm not going to say it's because she wanted it more, but like there was some, there was something different there. There was can't like plain, plain as day. Yeah. And like, but then you can also look back like to your point with Megan Farimo when she was pitching the first game of the world series this year, like, like she didn't have it. She didn't have her stuff. And then you look to how she pitched in the next game of the elimination game. And you're talking about two completely different totally. pitchers, but they're the same. Yep. Right. Um, and again, though, I think that just comes down to how do we prepare mentally? How do we prepare in our minds? How do we get ourselves psyched up for those moments? But also like, how do you need to get psyched up for those moments? Cause I know for myself as a player, like I don't need to be like in my head, like playing, you know, hard, heavy metal music right. to get myself like pumped up. I'm like, I need some R and B to like cool myself down. Mm-hmm. So then I can like stroll into this game and just like unleash. But I also know other players and I'll, I'll say Danielle too, cause I got to play with her for four years um, professionally. You know, and she was that player that was like, AirPods in, no one talked to me, like I'm zoned in. And it's important though, to understand that, how you are built as a player so that you always set yourself up for that success. Right. Because the biggest thing in softball is there are so many elements that are out of your control Um, and you can't prepare for that. You can't prepare if for some reason your curveball's not working. Or if for some reason, like it's having a spin that you, you know, not of where it's coming, like why it's coming from that. You also like, don't know the type of preparation that your competitor goes into that could potentially beat you. There's so many unknowns. There's so many variables and the best are able to control their own controllables. Right. Right. Um, And that still all goes back down to how you can control that up here. And then your output from your own heart. I know that sounds lame, but when you get to that stage, you have the talent, right? Like you have the talent. Now it's those un, uh, those um, unintangibles that come out and the best really do show those and they win. Yes. Yeah. We'll see, you know, sometimes cliche, like sometimes we're like, oh, we can sound cliche, but sometimes like cliche started because there's a kernel of truth there, right? Like a hundred percent. And like, I still use the control your controllables every single day of my life. And it leads leads me to success. Like I have a huge meeting later today for work and I'm literally like, I'm getting butterflies in my stomach. Like I would be if I was playing in the championship game and I'm like, control your controllables. Like you've gone through your deck presentation. You've written your notes out. Like you've done everything you can. Now it's just going to be game time and let's see what comes out. (laughs) Mm. yes wait I love that lesson too because we talk about like at the youth level right like learning the lessons on how to make your decisions things like that but you know once we're we're done with the playing portion of the sport at least doesn't mean we're not connected to it forever but there's life stuff there too right where it's like you I still think about some stuff from college that I learned in college all the time same because it's like well this prepared me for what for anything you know even like going through my meeting for today, I was like, why are you nervous? Like you are going to be doing a Zoom meeting presentation, but you've also, you know, got to be on ESPN too this year and ESPN and you speak, like I've had so many speaking engagements amongst like my peers face to face that to where this Zoom meeting in the corporate world should not be scaring me the way that it is. (laughs) But, but it still does. Uh, and then I just, re- I try to relate on the things that I know. And that is if I control my preparation, if I um, go in there feeling confident, fake all, bring all, all that self-talk that I had for me when I played softball, I carry it over into my corporate world job now. And it, it, it leads, it does, it leads to success. A hundred percent. And I, I think a lot of it, it's control controllables and then always being yourself, right? Like playing yeah. to your strengths and because that's when, when you try to be someone else or if you try to just keep up with the Joneses and make certain decisions, and do th- that's when you lose yourself, right? But if you just kind of yeah. stick to like 
remind yourself, okay, but I'm really good at this and this, like, I'll be fine, right? It helps. And actually, this makes me think about you mentioned your unique swing. Like to me, it's it's <laughs> yeah. like iconic, right? Like I think I read something the other day because, um, you know, I do my prep before these, yeah, right? Yeah. And like, obviously remember kind of like playing against you from a distance, right? But uh, someone described it as like where your back knee was like hitting the ground or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I okay, yeah. Like I hadn't thought about it that way, but that is kind of like, that was your style. Like you said, more of that baseball. Yeah. Swag. To be honest, I had no idea my swing like did any of that. Like the, the level, like the level of instruction the youth athletes get these days, completely different than what you and I went through when we were their ages. Right. It was like, you make sure you're hitting every day in the cage. I would try to go to my hitting lessons once a week, Yeah, but like, you know, we don't have data. We don't have analytics on our swing. We didn't have analytics on our swing. We didn't have ways to easily send videos of your swing with like breakdowns and stuff. Totally. Like you were purely just going off of feel. Um, and as a youth athlete, I just wanted to be the best. And I didn't know, like I had a home run swing. I didn't know that my stride got really big. I didn't know that my right knee went to the ground. All I knew was that when I made contact, the ball went was hard and it went far. And yeah. then we would score runs because of that. Um, and then we would win. And so my goal was to make sure I hit the ball where the players aren't when they're runners in scoring position. That was like, that was my goal. And then all of a sudden we get into recruiting time and I'm told that my swing is not favorable. And I'm like, Oh, that's weird. Cause you know, I feel like it works. It seems like, favorable I, I have, in the games. Yeah. yeah I'm like, I was like, I have a lot of home runs for us. Like I know I strike out a lot, but you know, isn't that like, you know, doesn't that meet up. Right. But again, I'm 14, 16. I don't know. I don't know that all I'm hearing is I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then I have my, my coach Walton come and get me. And he's just like, I'll never forget my first time in the batting cages with him. He was like, we are not going to sit here and focus on your, your weaknesses. If we, for, for you to hit the outside pitch, it's probably going to take us a year for you to figure out how to hit opposite field. But why are we going to worry about you trying to learn how to hit opposite field? Let's strengthen your strengths, which is going to be inner half middle. And once we strengthen your strengths, guarantee you, you will take that outside pitch and you will pull it over the fence for a home run. (laughs) And I was like, sign me up. Yeah. Like sign me up. Let's go. And he was right. Yeah. But that was the first time someone looked at my swing and was like, I know what you can't do, but I also know what you can do. Let's strengthen that. Yeah. And it was like, why was this the first time someone is telling this to me? Right. Because prior to that, you know, I I look into the two years of my recruiting process, my junior and my senior year, sophomore, junior, summer into junior year, or excuse me, summer in my senior year, high school. I felt like I was a really crappy player. Um, And that... And, you know, we talk so much about that mental health, mental health, and it it breaks my heart that there are probably some players who still feel that way, that maybe don't feel like they have the help that they need. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't feel like they have the resources that they need to try to work on that. Because, like, I know for myself, I really beat myself down for thinking I wasn't good enough for the expectations of my coach, for the expectations of my parents. Um, You know, my friends telling me, you'll be fine at Florida. It was just like dang, am I, am I really disappointing everybody right now? Um, but then you find your one, that one person, right. That believes in you and sets you up on this path. And you're just like, let's do it. Let's go. And then for, for me, that was, that was Coach Walton. Yeah. Yeah. But see, that's important. That's a really important message also, because it's, it can be really hard to manage it, especially, you know, we, we try to tell ourselves, right? Like, well, Oh, tune this out. Well, let me just yeah. like block that out or let me, but you know, I don't know if that's truly life. Like we're going to hear what we're going to hear. We're going to see what we're going to see. We're going to experience what we're going to experience, but it does sometimes just take like one thing, one person, one something to like put you in a, yeah. in a better place. And I think that's important for us to realize in terms of supporting each other too. Not only, yeah. you know, of course ourselves taking care of ourselves, but 
but supporting each other. You never know. A small thing could be really big to someone else in a good way. And it really goes down to that whole love language thing too, yeah. right? Because yeah. like, you know, maybe I, had a, maybe I had a travel ball coach who was saying those things to me, but I didn't, I, I couldn't comprehend it. Right. They weren't speaking it to a way that I understood it. But when I got to a place that really understood me and knew how to speak to me, I got that. Yeah. And it opened up a completely different world for me. Well, and that's what I'm very anti cookie cutter coaching, right? Like, yeah. And so whenever I hear those stories, like that's what makes me happy because that's what we need. And I think that does ultimately grow the game. One of the coolest things about softball is how just different types of people come together in the sport, different body types, like different backgrounds, just Mm -hmm. it allows for that. I think more than maybe like the average sport does, right? It's like you see a a women's basketball team or women's volleyball team. You can kind of tell, right, that they play volleyball or basketball if they're walking by. But a softball team, it's like all over the place, heights, different, like everything, you know? And I think different styles, different ways we do things. Like, I think that's a really cool part of the sport. Let's hold on to that. Completely agree. And it's something that we always need to celebrate when it comes to our sport. There is not just one cookie cutter definition. You can be an all-American pitcher and you can be 5'6". You can be an all-American catcher and you can be 6'2". And you can be a lefty. Yeah. Again, cliche, but if you really freaking want something, go and do it. Don't let anybody stop you because if you want it, you will get it. Yep. Plain and simple. Yes. You will. Yes. I love that. So you're firing me up like (laughs) for the rest of my work day too. So, you know, like I'm channeling this energy. But okay. So we've mentioned, you've mentioned a couple of times just about in terms of empowering our youth and really, I, I don't know if I think about it as you tell me, is it, is it giving back or paying it forward. I I almost think more so paying it forward, right? When we think about the next generation, but you're doing some of that work right now too. So I would love, yeah. Tell us all the things about Alpha and everything. I love how how you just said it. Is it giving back or is it paying it forward? And you know, it's an, it's like an encompassment encompassment of both, (laughs) right? You're trying to figure out how to do both. Um, With the, like nine years that I worked in like the softball behind the scenes, like in the industry, it became clear to me year after year that there is nobody out there protecting the athlete, right? Like we have entities that's that protect the coaches that protect the universities that protect tournaments and associations, but who is out there protecting that player, the player who first decides to get into softball. And then the player who right now, it's like when you graduate college, it's like a drop off. Even if you decide to continue to go play professionally, it's still a drop off. And that player feels very lost. They feel unsupported. They don't know where to go. Their identity is in question. And if you break down the life of that athlete, that student athlete, we're talking about from an age of eight years old to in like until until their their life is done here on earth like you're still part of this whole this whole culture this whole community in softball so um a few of my friends and i we we we've worked in softball for such a long time and that behind the scenes matter and we got tired of the decision makers making these decisions that were not the best for the players so with um the alliance that grew or that started i think like two years ago when they were first starting the alliance up uh, my good friend jamie Lowprice reached out to me and was like i have this idea to where we can create like this players association um so then i looped in my good friend vanessa laughlin um who is just so intelligent has so much passion for softball uh to make this come a reality and um we chose to go through uh to go down the route of a nonprofit. So we are a charitable arm of the Alliance, but that doesn't mean we can't work with any other associations. Um, We are are here for the players and to support them throughout their entire journey. We are raising money, we raise money for basically any type of financial situation that a player or a team might need, whether it's going to be financial aid for um, uh, for, for them to play in their travel ball tournaments, whether it's a team that needs like some type of a fee to get into a tournament, um, 
Or if you go back to the example a few years ago with the scrapyard dogs not having any sponsorship money anymore. Like, who did they have to rely on? Right. They needed they needed a, a player, right? They needed some type of a players association that they could back up on. Um, and we're just we're just missing that community aspect. So at Alpha, we just launched after a year, maybe like two years of really building this mentally. Um, we just launched it and we're super, super excited to be that safe space for the athlete. One of the biggest initiatives we're going to have is we're going to create an online community. Mm. Um, and that online community is going to be for softball athletes, for softball coaches, for any single person who influences softball, but it will be monitored by us to make sure that it is actually bringing enlightenment and really bringing the type of necessary information that we need. So like, if you think about it, you can have like a 14 year old player log onto their community, see what live events are happening. Meaning is, is Natasha Watley doing a slapper tutorial today? Is um, Amanda Scarborough going to walk us through some pitching aspects? Is, uh, you know, some co- big name college coach would come on and tell them what they like about recruiting. And in that way, we're giving these youth athletes a way to learn and to grow, can feel supported regionally at the same time. So we can like have this community be regionalized and then nationalized. Um, and then we're also going to be able to have uh, collegiate athletes or, or, and then collegiate athletes that just graduate come in and help them get job placements, Mm. whether it's in softball or whether it's outside of softball. Um, We want to be that resource for the player throughout their entire journey when it comes to softball. I love that because it's for the whole person, it sounds. Mm -hmm. And and that's, again, that's the goal, right? And I feel like you know, we've talked about a little bit the Alliance fast pitch um, piece of the travel ball world now on this show, but this is extending that even further, right? And like you said, even not just with that organization, but you can work with whoever. And I feel like this time of year, you know, you and I chatted about this as we were getting ready for this conversation. You know, everyone's eyes are on softball. We're all super excited. Even people who aren't familiar with the sport get excited this time of year, yeah. especially this year. It feels like more and more every single year. But, you know, a lot of these advancements that we've made as a sport and as a community start at that younger level and what we're able to provide people, not just players. Right. And so to me, it's like sometimes after the world series, we're all kind of, we have like this softball hangover and we're like, well, what do we do now? And it's like, there is plenty to keep doing. Yeah. Especially when you look at, there's so many, there's so many opportunities now for, um, I don't want to like former collegiate athletes and current professional athletes or people have retired, but they're still influencing um, in some type of like mentorship capacity or um, as instructional instructional capacity so much more. And when you look at COVID at the same time, it really forced other ways to try to get better. Uh, a lot of virtual things, obviously people don't like virtual, but now it's, it's come a little bit more accepted. Um, so there's other avenues that these women can have success in, but trying to determine that and trying to get there and figure that out, um, sometimes you need guidance. And I'm not talking about like a life counselor, but I'm talking about a sisterhood, right? Right. A sisterhood that you just feel comfortable knowing that you can walk in and just say, help me. I don't know what I need to do. And it's like, well, come here. I've done this. We've all done this. Like, let us, let us, let us figure this out with you. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes your sisterhood, and this is at any stage of life, sometimes that is your life counselor, right? Like it, yeah. it's, it doesn't, it's not that you're like, you know, you guys are literally trying to be that, but sometimes it just, you get that kind of support from that and like, thank God for it. Right. Like yeah. it's definitely changed or helped my, me in my life and every single you, every single person I've ever talked to. So I completely agree. And I mean, I feel like though, that's the biggest thing about softball is like, when you first start in the sport, you're like, you're told this is a sisterhood. Then you get to college and you like really embrace that sisterhood. And then it's just gone. But yeah. it can't, it cannot end from there. And that is what we're doing at Alpha. It continues on with us. Yes. I love that. So I know you have to jump and I will leave you with just one question, which is, do this game with everyone that comes on. So you'll either call this safe or out. Like say if you agree, out, you don't agree. Okay. Bat flips. Safe or out. 
Safe. Safe. Okay. Because I did you bat flip? I don't really remember if you used to. Bat no, flip. Okay. I'm not. I, I'm definitely from that generation where it's like act like you've been there before. Like totally. don't get too hyped up. But freak, it's fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like if you're obnoxious about it, it's like okay, don't be obnoxious. Like maybe you're gonna get like a ball worn. Like you're gonna wear a pitch the next at bat. Which like accept that. Like yeah. if you're gonna bat flip and you do it obnoxiously. And then you get hit by a pitch. Don't complain. Right. Like, own it. Where you got on base. Like you set that precedent. Um, but it doesn't bother me now. I think like I go back to however, I think, uh, what was her name? Show. Oh, she yeah, Samantha show. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Was, uh, against Florida at the world series a couple of years ago. And it was like a major slam. And everyone was like, were you pissed about that? I was like, hell no. Like <laughs> I was pissed that she hit it against my team. Sure. But like, who wouldn't want to get hyped up in that moment? That's fun. It Just is. Just don't fun. be, don't be an a hole. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a rule for life. So I like that. Yeah, I like that totally, rule. Totally. No a yeah. <laughs> Well, and and maybe not Oklahoma State like Sam Shaw, but OU in Texas come to the SEC. I know we were talking about how conferences don't matter, but that'll be exciting. So uh, it will be. We'll, yeah. we'll see how that goes. TBD. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining. <laughs> I mean, we could obviously keep easily keep going, but I will respect your time. And I really appreciate it. Like this was just as fun as I thought it would be. And I'm excited for us to just keep in touch and, and keep going with all things softball. Yes. Thanks for having me. I loved it. Thank you. Like I said, in part one, I knew early on that I would get along with Francesca. And now that you've heard both parts of our conversation, I think you could see why. And by the way, if you haven't seen her iconic swing before, Google her. It's worth it. It's very, very unique. That's why I think iconic is the only word to describe it. And clearly we could have just kept going in our conversation, but she's a busy lady. She's in high demand and she had to go. So we kind of abbreviated the safer out, but we should definitely have her back on. With that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about getting to know yourself. So we talked with Francesca about this a little bit and a lot of people on the show in terms of how important it is to stay true to yourself. It's a common theme. Whether it's choosing the school you want to play at or anything, really. Like, that is the theme that that pops up a lot. But in order to stay true to yourself, you have to get to know yourself. Or else how do you know what you're staying true to in the first place? And I think there are a ton of ways that you could get to know yourself. But what's helped me is a few things. Asking yourself hard questions. You know, not only asking them, but answering them truthfully. Two, paying attention, noticing patterns in yourself, certain thoughts that you're having or reactions to certain things. Three, asking for feedback from people that know you best, because we all have blind spots. It just is what it is, right? So if they know you, they can help. And four, I'll keep it real, therapy. Full transparency, I think everyone should go to therapy or at least try it. Because not only do we have blind spots, but so do our family and friends, right? So it can create that space that is really constructive and and functional for us. So when you put all these pieces together, the puzzle starts to come together, you know, and we're all puzzles, let's be honest, but it just helps us to start to put it together ourselves. And that's why one of my favorite questions to ask guests, and really, honestly, one of their favorite questions to answer is some version of what did you learn about yourself? Because it's game changing, you know, like whether it's to help you achieve more or even just to give yourself grace. So, for example, something I learned about myself, especially over the last couple of years since COVID, is that I need progress. I cling to progress and I struggle with being stagnant or feeling like I've hit some sort of plateau. So, for example, in 2020, Not surprisingly, my broadcasting career was put on hold pretty much when softball and baseball seasons were canceled. And something was put on hold for everyone, right? At least one thing, if not multiple, this was one of mine. And luckily, this is the year I started the podcast and it's grown every year, but it was still tough. Then in 2021, you know, get back on track a little bit. I I made the TV debut that I was supposed to make in 2020 and I called a full season of games again. But you do still feel like, okay, I'm kind of a year behind of where I thought I was going to be and where I could have been. But then in 2022, I felt real progress so far this year. I called more TV series than I had in 2021. 
had my first top 10 matchup with um, at Seattle, actually, with UCLA and UW at the time. And it was my first time traveling with Pac-12 Network, too. So that was fun. First solo broadcast on TV. You know, I've done it on streams for years, but it was my first time doing it on TV. And even my first postseason coverage, like getting to call regionals and super regionals and doing radio again with the Varsity Network app. And it was sort of a new skill, new software that I learned along the way, too. And I had more baseball games that I got to cover, which is an area that I want to expand in and more relationships through it all. Like that is also a piece that I think means a lot to me. So I could feel myself feed off of that mentally, physically, emotionally, like progress begets progress in every area. And while I can't control everything, I know that at least within what I can control, putting myself in a position to make progress is crucial. Even if it's a situation like COVID where it's out of my control, then when I'm struggling, I can give myself grace because I recognize that the lack of progress is affecting me. So I can actually understand myself a little bit better. So it helps my well-being either way. And well-being is where everything starts. We have to take care of ourselves to do anything. And we have to know ourselves to be able to truly take care of ourselves. So that's it. Get to know yourself. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com. And you can watch the videos on YouTube too. Subscribe, rate, and if you liked it, write a review for the show. I appreciate your support and want to know what you think. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, B-L-E-A-V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.